Let's be real, we got some fun spring training topics to go through today, but we're gonna start with a more serious note in the NBA. All right, guys, we're gonna get into a pretty serious topic now, and that is John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies. As you all have probably seen, John Morant has been having some on the court and off the court issues this year. It started off with a game in Los Angeles against the Lakers where he got into a fight, him and the rest of the team got into a fight with Shannon Sharp. Then we go to another game with the Indiana Pacers where after the game, him and a bunch of his his friends are following the bus of the Indiana Pacers shining a light, a laser light on them in what could have been a gun for all they know. And now we get into the most recent event where he is going on Instagram Live, pointing a gun around in a nightclub, recording it and posting it. As would be expected, he is taking a leave of absence from the Memphis Grizzlies, and there will probably be a suspension that takes him out potentially for the rest of the year. Talent aside, I am sick and tired of hearing about this guy all the time. He has now constantly been in the news from poor life choices. He literally was raised, if any of you have seen The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, he was raised and acted like Carlton Banks and is trying to be Will Smith. It is ridiculous. The fact that he is at where he's at in his career and he has so much talent that he does and he is potentially flushing it down the toilet just because he wants to act tough and pretend to be a thug is ridiculous. He is surrounding himself with incredibly poor people who should not be in his life and he essentially has a devil on each ear telling him what to do. And it is not helpful to him and the millions and millions of people who watch him play. Picture how many young kids look up to this guy. I mean, he is the epitome of achieving everything that you possibly could want in the world and is purposely throwing it down the drain on something that he can control. Now, I don't know exactly what's going on in John Morant's life, but I hope that he can figure it out and he can stop going down the path that he is going down right now, not only for himself, but for his family and his kids and the future of his family. Now let's get into the basketball aspect of it. What is going to happen now that John Morant is probably going to be away for the rest of the year? Well, one, the Memphis Grizzlies, who were potentially in consideration to be a finals team are no longer anywhere near that. Without John Morant, they cannot do anything in the playoffs. Yeah, this is literally like if the Bucks lose Giannis or if the Golden State Warriors lose Curry. Like, you're not going to make the finals. Now, I would argue that they weren't really in contention for the championship this year anyway. I don't think they have the pieces around John Morant to compete, but... Now there's absolutely no shot of that. And as for what's going to happen to the team going forward, well, that's even a more interesting question to me. John Morant has already been dealing with injuries, and now the fact that there's a bunch of off-court drama, it's going to be very difficult for Memphis to entice other players to come play for your team. Exactly. And the Memphis Grizzlies are one of those teams in the past that have been okay with just making the playoffs and I really do not want to see them go into that rut again I want every team if you think you have a great generational type talent like John Morant I want you to be trying to get an NBA championship 
And I think his off-the-court antics are going to definitely hinder the Memphis Grizzlies' ability to do that. All right, next topic up. More pitch clock shenanigans. Max Scherzer standing on the bump, throwing with a runner on first base, gets the hitter to roll over into a ground ball to shortstop, flip for an easy double play. But wait, let's call it back because he didn't throw the pitch exactly when it said zero. It was a millisecond afterwards. So guess what? Let's reset everybody and restart the at-bat from this old count to save time off of the baseball game. You don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, what do you even say about that at this point? To save time, we add the pitch clock. By doing that, the guy throws it slightly late, and therefore we get rid of two outs. To the point, too, it was so close to being on time that he couldn't call it off before the entire play developed. The ground ball went. It was flipped a second. The runners were running. Everybody thought it was out of the inning. Nope, everybody get back. Hold on. You're not even saying, like, you just added so much time to the game by having that rule in there. That's, ugh. I I don't even know what to say anymore about this. All right, next topic up. Let's talk about pitch clock. What do you say? It's not like we haven't talked about that before. So, the pitch clock. Here's another reason why the pitch clock is a terrible idea. Pitchers are now in control of at-bats. Previously, it was always a battle of pitcher versus batter and batter versus pitcher. Pitchers would do stuff to throw off the hitter. Hitters would do stuff to throw off the pitcher. Now, all of a sudden, it is completely in the hands of the pitcher, and this can be seen throughout spring training. Max Scherzer is one of the main guys who's benefiting from this, and other guys are going to absolutely adopt his methods. So Scherzer stands on the mound and does not leave. He will just stand on the rubber and stare at the catcher, waiting to pitch. Now the batter is forced to be in the box and stay in the box. A hitter is only allowed one timeout now, so they can't step out and continually step out, call timeout. Previously, when a pitcher would just stand there, They could go in and out of the box. They could do what they want pretty much. Now they can only do one per at-bat. So what happens is Scherzer stands on the mound and he'll hold the ball. Batter gets in the box and he stands there and stands there and stands there and stands there until the batter calls timeout, gets out of the box. And essentially he's icing out the hitter. And this is what previous pitchers have done a lot and it forces the batter to call timeout. Well, now the batter just burned his timeout. So he gets back in the box. And Scherzer stands there and stands there and stands there. And he waits till one second's left on the clock. Meanwhile, the batter has to just stand there, throws the pitch. They do it again. So he uses his entire time standing on the mound with no time in between. It makes it an absolutely horrible watching process because you're just standing there watching two guys stare at each other for 20 seconds (laughs) with no timeouts, no movement in between. And it is 100% benefiting the pitcher at that point because it's icing out the hitter and makes the games feel even longer. The MLB has introduced the pitch clock to bring new fans, or they say so that they can bring new fans into their viewership. But they also want their hitters to be hitting as many balls as possible and getting as many home runs as possible. But if you're going to be having this pitch clock and pitchers are going to be using it like Max Scherzer is, by icing out the hitters, you're going to be having a lot less hits, which they're already 
a lot less than there used to be, and you're going to be having a lot less home runs as well. So, again, you are counteracting what you're wanting to do with the pitch clock. Hey, good on Scherzer for doing this and using the rules to his advantage. Nothing against him. He's one of the best pitchers in MLB right now. But at a certain extent, it just makes it unenjoyable to watch. And the pitch clock is doing that for me. It's starting to make games feel rushed. Then at some point, it's making it extremely slow and boring. And it's just not a good viewing experience anymore. The pitch clock is terrible for baseball. Get rid of it. End of story. Hey, I want your opinion about something. What do you think of the new PitchCom device? For those of you that don't know what a PitchCom device is, a pitcher and catcher use this technology so that they can communicate pitches with, without actually signaling each other. So a catcher on his wrist can click a button and it might say one, and one is set for fastball high and away. And the pitcher has a little device on his hat typically that will then quietly say out loud the pitch that he's supposed to throw it eliminates the need for signaling what do you think about this so i find it very weird that we're bringing a technology that in my opinion can be easily hacked into so that you can know as the uh, hitting team what pitch is going to be coming up and then just signal your hitter as to what pitch is coming up so i feel like that's that's really weird where we're going with with this pitch comp before I actually completely obliterate this, let's talk about the one cool thing about it. The one cool thing about it is it can be programmed to any language. So typically speaking, when a catcher has to w walk out to the mound and talk to a pitcher for something, they have a meeting, they'll have to send out an interpreter to the mound so that they can actually talk about what they want to do for the next hitter. And obviously this is different than giving signals, but the catcher can then just click a button on his wrist and it tells the pitcher in his language what pitch he needs to be throwing. But aside from that, there's no benefit to this. I like the aspect of baseball that you have to give signs, that there is sign stealing trying to go on, that you have to be creative with signs, that one means fastball, two means curveball, but if it's the third sign in the bottom of the whatever inning it is, minus the amount of outs there are, plus or minus how many hitters have already hit that inning. And like, there's so many creative things that they go through to try to not have batters understand it. You lose all that. And that's something that as a baseball fan, I enjoy the aspect of the game for. Another thing that really makes this pitch calm difficult is they're using it in spring training, trying it out, seeing how it's working. Imagine a game in the World Series. Imagine a game in the regular season. Imagine a game in the postseason. Imagine how loud that is where two outfielders are running to the ball and they can't hear each other calling for it, so they run into each other, or they think each other have it. That same thing is going to happen with a small device that's just trying to whisper to you what pitch it is. You're not going to be able to hear it. So now you're going to have to then resort to something that you're not familiar with using or that you're not good with using because you haven't started using signs again. Well, and I think another thing with this is it's another uh, product of the pitch clock. We're rushing the pitchers and, and we're rushing the batters and all of that. So they don't really have time to go through signals and go back and forth dis discussing between which signal we want to use or which pitch we want to use. It's now just okay, catcher, give me what pitch you want me to throw. All right, I'm going to throw it. I only have this amount of time to get it off. 
Yeah. Ultimately, does just come down to a time thing. And with the game trying to reduce the time, I think it's losing a lot of quality aspects that make baseball fans baseball fans to try to get people who aren't baseball fans to become baseball fans, which just is not going to happen. Let me ask you something. Do you remember when no-hitters used to be a really awesome accomplishment? I do. Well, guess what just happened in spring training? Let me guess, a no-hit. There was a no-hitter that had a combined starter and six more relievers to get the no-hitter. How phenomenal was that? We talked about this previously, but that's not a no-hitter. I mean, for the team, I guess, but who cares if the team gets a no-hitter? I absolutely hate team no-hitters. It takes all the fun out of it. The fun is having one pitcher out there for the entire time. And yes, I understand it's spring training, so I don't want to see a pitcher go deep in the game. That's not what spring training's about. But still, the fact that they're celebrating a no-hitter in spring training when they literally have people not swinging at pitches or bringing up all these rookies just so they get some experience. like Typically speaking, if you watch any movie in spring training, it's guys who are going to be bagging groceries in three weeks. It's not the main stars. They just no-hit the Padres. How many stars on the Padres do you think were in the team? Plus or minus of three. I'm going to go with a minus. It was actually three, so good one. <laughs> All right, so these team no-hitters are, like, really weird. Like, yes, it is impressive, I guess, that as a team you didn't allow a hit. But at the same time, it's nowhere near as impressive as a single person, a single pitcher doing it. When you have six different guys, guess what? There's only nine innings most likely in that game unless your team also can't get a hit. Or it's a doubleheader. Or it's a doubleheader, so it's only seven innings. So at that point, they're pitching less than, what, two innings? Much less than two innings each? That's pathetic. In spring training, that's 100% fine. That's getting each pitcher to get some work with live batters. That's what spring training's about, for sure. We're not judging having that many pitchers in spring training. The issue is how much it's being celebrated, and also that that does happen in the regular season with six or seven pitchers combining for a no-hitter, and it's being celebrated as if somebody just threw a no-hitter or a perfect game. Exactly. When you're doing that, these pitchers are going to be so fresh. Like, if they allow multiple hits, that's going to be sad. So congratulations, Cubs, on throwing a combined no-hitter. Way over-celebrated. In spring training, it's fine. Better not be hearing about it during the regular season. Hey, I just want to give a quick shout-out to Rich Hill. He has had a phenomenal MLB career, and at the age of 42, he just signed another $8 million one-year deal. <laughs> that is phenomenal. He has had one of the craziest careers. Go look it up. He spent time playing independent baseball, didn't get into MLB until he was 25, but he was super determined and is still continuing to play. He's still good for you know eight, nine wins a season. Still a good pitcher. Glad he gets to keep playing. Hey, you know me. I always like players beating out Father Time. So him coming out here at 42 and getting another contract, that's great. I love it. Another $8 million in the bank. Can't wait to see him a couple years from now. All right, let me run a scenario down for you. I want your opinion about it, and I have a follow-up question with this. Pretend in this hypothetical situation that a batter in spring training goes up to bat, but he's not allowed to swing. Never swings one time. Why are you never allowed to swing? 
but we'll get to that. But can't swing at all. He goes up there for 10 at-bats. How many times do you think he's going to get on base? Zero. Well, you would be very wrong. So in spring training, guess what happened? Miguel Vargas on the Dodgers during spring training is participating with a fractured hand. I believe it's his pinky finger, but anyways, regardless, the goal for the Dodgers was to get Miguel Vargas to get up there and to have multiple at-bats to see pitches to just visualize live at bats without actually swinging. So he can sit there and go, oh, that's going to be a ball. Oh, that's a strike. Seeing the ball out of pitcher's hands, that's great. It's good experience for him. It's spring training. Really doesn't matter. That's fine. Pitchers know this. So pitchers like Zach Grinke literally would throw him a 90, mid-90 fastball and then follow it up with a 52-mile-per-hour mile ephus just to mess with him because he knows he can't swing. So he's lobbing him over the plate knowing that this guy will not swing, and then he'll follow it up with another 90-mile-per-hour fastball. So he played with him essentially until the count got 2-2. Two, two and two. Other pitchers will get 3-2 and two and throw a fastball or strike. And like The issue with this, and why I wanted to bring it up, he walked four times. Ten at-bats, cannot swing at all. Pitchers know this, and they still can't throw dang strikes, and they walk him four times. How messed up is that? Look, I used to pitch in Little League, and uh, if I knew somebody couldn't swing, I'd just throw little lobbers right down the middle of the plate every time, strike them out in three pitches. Simple as that. What would be the best way to boost your spring training stats so that a team will want you on their team? Strikeouts? Strikes? No, let's walk the guy that can't swing. I mean, to be fair, like, I don't think that they would... Actually, never mind, you that's so pathetic. How do you not get a guy out who can't swing? Like, it's to the point of you're probably going to say, oh, well, he was trying to work on a pitch or be like, didn't want to throw it right down the middle. Maybe he's throwing some off speed away and working the count. Dude can't swing. Just throw him down the plate. It doesn't matter. You're a major league pitcher. I don't care if you want to throw three balls. You better follow it up with three strikes in a row because he's not going to hit. Exactly. If you want to mess with pitches, fine. But if you get to the point where you're pitching to a guy who cannot swing his bat and you have three balls, you better throw as many strikes as needed to get that guy out. And here's the situation, too. This proves how a pitcher can handle stress. You take all of these pitchers, typically, put them in a bullpen session, put a net there, and say, throw 100 strikes in a row. Doesn't matter speed. Doesn't matter anything but throwing a strike. How many strikes do you think they're going to throw? I mean, it should be 100 out of 100, but I'd probably go like 95 out of 100. That's fine. A couple of mistakes. But again, they're not going to come off the first couple. It might come late when they're starting to get tired or something. Like, they get distracted. This is throw three pitches in a row that are strikes because people can't swing. Even if the count gets 3-0. Perfect. Do it. But these guys can't execute when they need to. And for all the pitchers walking them, perfect opportunity to sit your butt down in spring training and get back to the minor leagues because you're not making a big league roster. Hey, that's it for today. Remember to like and subscribe. Tell us what you think down in the comments. Until next time, keep it real.